So we're studying the Gospel of Mark, and we're into chapter 4, particularly, as you can see from the screen, uh, verse 23 through 29 today, 23 through 29. So turn in your Bible to that passage, and I will read it. Mark 4, 23 says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. In the English, um, the imperatives come through sort of watered down because we, we don't, just don't have a nice English way to say it. What he's really saying is, if anyone has ears to hear, listen! Okay? Hear, it's a command. It's not like a suggestion, like, you know, if you have time, you might want to listen. No, okay, just, just letting you know. <laughs> That's a, it's an imperative. Okay, I'll start over. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Lord, add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, in your kindness and grace, open your word to us today. We want to remind ourselves that none of us are here by accident, and you have wonderfully, sovereignly brought us together today um, in your kindness. You've composed this congregation And you have a message for each and every one of us. 100% of us need to hear from you today. So speak, O Lord. Give us ears to hear. Let us obey your command to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite passages of Scripture um, is in Deuteronomy 6. It's Deuteronomy 6.4. And here... Here is uh, a, uh, the Hebrew of it. It's Shema Israel Yahweh Eloheinu Yahweh Akkad, which is here, Israel, Yahweh your God, Yahweh is one. And this is Shema. It's, it's imperative for, guess what? Listen. <laughs> Listen to this. Very similar to what you'd find Jesus saying to us today. If you have your Bible, uh, turn there to Deuteronomy 6. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and I think it should be very familiar to all of us and repeated frequently because it gives God's philosophy of education. Um, God didn't set up a, a formal 
kind of ed- education. Uh, he, he believes, he believes. That's a weird way to talk about God. <laughs> God is uh, teaching us that the most effective way of education is immersion. Well, what's the best way to learn a foreign language? You know, go to the library and get a book on it and read the book in your English-speaking environment. <laughs> it's probably not going to work real well. But if you, and, and, and DLI does this, uh, you know, in adva- if people get pretty far along in their study, then uh, they send you to a place where you're, you're dunked. We're Baptists, so we immerse. Uh, it means we dunk you in the water, and you're in, in full immersion in the language. In fact, that's where our dear friend uh, Nate is. Uh, I think he's in Taiwan right now. Just went last few days uh, from DLI to be immersed into Chinese uh, in Taiwan from DLI. Anyway, and, and that's the educational philosophy of God. So again, listen to the Word of God. This is, and You probably all know this, so forgive me for insulting you. But if you went to a uh, synagogue, you know, Congregation Bethel or whatever, the synagogue's all over, you're going to hear this every Sabbath, every Saturday. You're going to hear Shema, Israel. And they they wouldn't say uh, Yahweh. They would say Adonai, Eloheinu. Eloheinu is a beautiful word. Elohim and the new is our. He's our God your God. Uh, and then they would say, Adonai Echad. He's one. So here it is. I'm sorry for so much introduction, but it's so good. You're coming to the beautiful word here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So what's the biggest implication of that? Well, why don't you put God like 10th or 11th on your priority list then? Now, the big therefore is you shall love Yahweh Eloheinu, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. See, God isn't interested in people having an intellectual acknowledgement of the truth. Only. He wants you to have an intellectual acknowledgement of the truth, but he wants so much more, doesn't he? He wants us to love the truth and have it on our heart. And you shall, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Charlotte and I chose a full-on non-structured homeschooling structure for our kids, all, all nine of them. Um, and then they all went to four-year colleges. Um, and, and that's okay. That's a good thing. It's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. But I think from this passage of Scripture, I think I can emphatically say that every believing home needs to be a homeschooling home in the sense that you are responsible for training your children in the most important subject matter ever. That God, knowing God, is the greatest thing ever, the biggest treasure. You know, we'd sell everything, and we're even willing to lose our life for knowing God. Wow, huh? So 
you shall teach them diligently to your children. You can't farm this out. You can't assign this to somebody else. Don't expect the church to do it. We'd like to try, you know, but we get like a half an hour a week. <laughs> That's not immersion. That's squirt gun. Got it? <laughs> oh, yes, I'm bathed. <laughs> I mean, not to belittle what we're doing here at church. We all believe it's, it's highly important. Absolutely. But you get my point, right? You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. See, that's non-formal, unstructured, unschooling, but very intentional all the time, right? You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So, this sets the tone, and I think it's the greater context uh, to the emphasis of our passage today from Mark. Again, Jesus is a uh, fully active Jewish man. Every Sabbath, he's going to the synagogue and he's hearing, Shema, listen, listen, listen. And he's out preaching. It's been a beautiful theme in Mark. I won't take time to develop it, but you can do it yourself. Just look, he came to preach. He's preaching the word, proclaiming the truth. Very, very, very cool. And, and he wants us to listen, pay attention. Uh, so that's one background. And another quick background. Uh, this is one of those amazing stories. You remember it from 1 Samuel 15, where God gave the command to Saul, Shaul, who was the king of Israel, and which was to go out to this certain um, enemy who was very dangerous, and you were supposed to wipe out the enemy and, and particularly kill all their animals, too. And he went out there, and what happened? He thought, well, some of those sheep look pretty good. Uh, you know, we should keep some of those, and we'll use them for worship. God will be happy while I'm breaking God's word because I'm going to fob him off by bringing this wonderful sacrifice, and God will be distracted. Oh, oh thank you very much. <laughs> You know, as if as if you could fool God, and and it's an awesome story. Uh, look, look at that real quick. First Samuel fifteen. I hear the iPhones turning. <laughs> I like to believe the silence is partly, in fact, due to the the smartphones. Either that, or no one actually turns when I ask them to turn. First <laughs> uh, Samuel fifteen. Um, it says, uh, like, let's just put it in at verse 15. Uh, Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people, I mean, he's blaming, blame shifting, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to Yahweh Eloheinu, <laughs> believe it or not. Yahweh, your God. Your God, Samuel, by the way. <laughs> I'd have to look that up if it's plural or singular. I don't know. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! I will tell you 
what Yahweh said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are, this is amazing. This is very convicting. Though you are little in your own eyes. Get that? It's like, it doesn't matter. I'm just a little person. Well, you know, a little person can sin because God doesn't care about us little people. Um, and, and he's the king of Israel, by the way. <laughs> so, so it's kind of layered and interesting, isn't it? Anyway, though, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? You know, you and I need to realize the influence we have. We have a, very, we have a way bigger footprint carbon footprint, <laughs> a way bigger impact than we even realize, right? Do you kind of get that sometimes? People are watching us. People depend on us. And our example is humongous. This is just great text here. Though you are little in your eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote to, to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of Yahweh? That's the big question. The voice of Yahweh. Why didn't you obey his voice? Well, quite frankly, I decided that God needed a little counsel, a little advice. And maybe God didn't fully understand the value of sheep and goats and oxen. And I could take him aside and say, you know, God, you probably overlooked something here. These are very valuable. <laughs> oh, God, help us, huh? What, here, verse, verse 19. <laughs> Look at the language here. <laughs> Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Oh, God. You know, when we're alone, I'm just a little person, and I'm alone. God can't see me. Now I can pounce on the temptation. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to Yahweh Eloheinu in Gilgal. I mean, this is a really, really good thing. Shouldn't we do really, really good things uh, regardless of the means of getting to do those really good things? Apparently not. And Samuel said, and here's, here's the kicker, and uh, this is the one I have on the screen. Has the Lord, excuse me, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice, call, the voice of Yahweh? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen, that's our theme for today, listen up, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as 
iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. No, no, no. We didn't reject the word of the Lord. We slightly edited it. We made it more palatable to our generation. We, we took out the part that we didn't like. I'm sure God would understand. Apparently not. It seems like what God said, he meant. This is the voice of whom? The voice of Yahweh. Yahweh, the self-existing, the only being who's not created, not caused. <laughs> because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Lord, have mercy. So those are two background points. Shema Israel and this one here. Listen. Listen. Okay. So again, back to the text. There's this interesting command. We're in Mark 4 now. Mark 4. Uh, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. There's a glorious mixed metaphor here. Because the word pay attention means look at. <laughs> it's a command. Stare at, stare at what you're listening to. Isn't that kind of funny? I think it's kind of funny. It's like, am I the only one here today? I'm sorry. Give me a little response here. <laughs> That's a little humorous. He says, look at what you're listening to. It's called a mixed metaphor. And it's a divine mixed metaphor. Uh, maybe it's supposed to stick out and say, what, what is he saying? That's a weird way to put this. Um, our English translation, perhaps mercifully, said, pay attention. Pay attention. And here's a guy that I think he's kind of paying attention and staring at the same time, you know? Uh, look at what you hear. God wants us to be people who are deeply listening to his word. All of his word. The voice of Yahweh. And so then he, he plugs in a parable. By the way, look with me briefly. Um, up at verse 2 of chapter 4, it says, And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them. Uh, that's a general statement saying that Jesus is using lots of parables. And this particular parable uh, that we're getting into next, he uses in other contexts with a slightly different meaning. But here, what he's saying is his big command is look at what you hear. I want you to pay attention to what you hear. And this is the parable that he is using to illustrate this. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The whole flow of this text of Scripture is listen. You go up to verse 3 of chapter 4. The first command, again imperative, is listen. Listen. Verse 9, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Again, the same thing. God is speaking. Listen to what he's saying. And then verse 11, he says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. We who are believers 
we actually hear God. Uh, unbelievers come to the Word of God and they read it and they don't, they don't hear God. They, it's, uh, it's, it's shrouded, it's mysterious, it, it is foolishness to them even. But if you're a believer and when you read the Word of God, it, it comes alive and the Spirit shows you the truth that He is communicating in the Word of God, that is a, a miraculous event, you see. God is opening your heart and mind He's revealing his mystery to you through the written word of God. And, and so the idea is, we're in this advantage position, but are we listening? Or are we like Saul? I heard the word, but I decided to go a slightly different direction. Uh, so that's verse 9, and then verse 11, and then uh, verse 20, the conclusion of the parable of the sower, Notice that this, many of the seeds heard, verse 16, when they heard the word, immediately they received it with joy, but they had no root. And then verse 18, those who hear the word of God, but the cares of the world choke it out. But then verse 20, the good soil are the ones who hear the word of God and accept it and bear fruit. So the theme is, how are we responding to the word of God? That's the theme. Of, of our whole text and our parable today is saying are we the people who are being fed by the word of God are we measuring by the bushel pulls this is a whole lot of clams by the way this is the morning offering we took in a lot of clams uh, <laughs> uh, you know bountiful are we are we uh, in the words of Jesus, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The more concentration, the more obedience, the more meditation we have on the Word of God, the more He gives to us. The more we want, the more we desire, the more we seek Him, the, the more hunger we have. He feeds us. You know, seek and you will find. If you're hungry for uh, righteousness, He will give it to you. So, you know, what is the measure? How much effort are you putting into this? I've been the pastor here for a long time, and um, we have this men's breakfast on, on Saturday mornings, and I remember uh, earlier on, some of the men would come, and, you know, you know, thank you for coming, it's wonderful. And then we'd ask them to read the Bible, and they, they couldn't even read it. These are men with a great education. They've done well in, in, in you know, all kinds of things. And, and yet when they come to read the Bible, it's like they've never read it before. And in my heart, I said, wow, do you even know Jesus? You know, Christians should be people who are highly biblically literate, right? <laughs> Is this true? <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's a little embarrassing. I'm not making fun of older guys that can't read. No, they can read. They got, did really well in the area of business. But when it came to the Bible, something that they should have been super familiar with, they, they were reading at a third grade level without understanding. And it just it shook me to this day. What's wrong with that? Well, it's because we haven't been investing. We need to invest in the Word. Are you, are you listening? Yes, but you have to hear and listen and receive what God has in the Word of God. Now, there's a warning to this parable, isn't there? 
Look at the second half. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, the first half. It will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. The other side of the coin is, for the one who has, more will be given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is the, uh, I'm calling it the spiritual law of rejection. If you reject the word of God, like Saul did, he rejected the word of God by just even making a small edit, you know? God said, devote all to destruction, but we think it's better to save some of it. We're frugal. Uh, we're going to save some of it and use it for God's glory, and God will be happy with that. Um, no, he re- the word is you rejected the voice of God by your, your, your small correction. God doesn't want us to make small corrections in his word. And if you do make the small corrections, there's a, a threat that you'll lose it all. You won't have any left. You will have empty pockets. Even what he has will be taken away. All right. Now let's look at how this next parable uh, fits into this context. So he says, let's read it again, verse 26. It says, The kingdom of God is, is, it, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade. Now notice the process. First the blade, a little, little bit of response. Then the ear. Then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he can tell. He can tell the time. He puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. I think it's this way. When we are growing, knowing God, obeying his word, uh, wanting more of it, a healthy part of that is that we start to sow it. We start to plant it. We start to put it out there. And we, we depend on the word of God to do the work. This is a great uh, text from First Peter. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. As we plant the seed, God will bring new birth in other people's lives. We should love them. We should have a good you know, relationship with them. We should pray for them. But God has to do the work. Uh, God will bring life to that seed, and it will grow. God causes the growth. Uh, look with me at uh, first, first Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians chapter 3. This is probably somewhat of a familiar passage to all of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's awesome because we have Paul giving us his, his philosophy of ministry. And uh, this is his you know, pastor's conference in a sense. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, I'll read 5 and following. Um, it's kind of in the middle of a context which we're sort of ignoring, but we'll get, get here anyway. It says, Now, Apollos was a great teacher in the church. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. They were planting and you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, 
Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. You know, we depend on God. We don't. We can't like, you know, tweak the message and, you know, kind of sneak up on people and, you know, twist it and sell it and package it <clears throat> in some certain way, and then they'll become Christians, right? There's this motivation. We, we you know, we, we want to be culturally appropriate. You might look at me and say, well, you missed that one, buddy. <laughs> That's what my, my family does all the time to me. <laughs> uh, we should be, you know, reasonably culturally appropriate, right? Like I'm still speaking English. Um, that's cultural appropriate. Uh, but God does the work. And, you know, we, we can't tweak the message and the method to the point where finally we're convincing enough to, to cause growth in people's lives, right? This, this parable, Jesus says, is the guy doesn't know how it works because it's a mystery, because it depends on the Holy Spirit. And there's a beautiful freeing in that. You know, we preach the word, we proclaim the word, we follow the example of Jesus and the apostles, and and God will do what's what He wants to do. Our, our God is in heaven; He does whatever He pleases. So again, sorry, back to the text of First Corinthians three. Excuse me a second. But God gave the growth, verse 6. So this is so important, you know. Let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. I, I, I guess you can be feeling demeaned by that. But it's just saying that in terms of like influence and power, I'm a great man. Let me say a few words and people will be saved. You know, no, I'm nothing. When Paul says, I am not anything, he's, it's huge in a very small way, right? It's hugely humble and it's appropriate. He's not just saying this, he knows this for a fact. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's, it's amazing, we're God's fellow workers. God uses us, and he's working right along with us, and we're planting the seed, we're doing it the best way we can. We might build some props and use a lot of duct tape to attract the kids, entertain them, but also teach them the word of God, but ultimately... It's all God's work. We are the fellow workers with God. God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me. You know, he, Paul, has, he's alive, still able to talk. He hasn't had a stroke and died of a heart attack yet. Uh, he's alive, so he has the grace of God, and so he's still teaching. He says, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds. And this brings us to, I think, the last issue I wanted to touch on today. We, sh we should be planting the seed, but let's be careful we plant the good seed. Yeah. The Word of God. Everyone must take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other 
than that which is laid. See, that's, that was Saul, Saul's problem. He had the voice of Yahweh, Kol Yahweh, the voice of God, and he decided to build, well, build a little other foundation here. <laughs> just over here to the side, God, just to help you out, you know. Uh, don't, don't even go there. Don't even try it. It's idiocy. That's where more is less. The, and the foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. You know, this, this, once in a while somebody says, hey, do you have a vision? Do you have a plan? Do you have, you know, you have uh, goals as a church? What is your vision plan? That's, that's our vision right there, to be people who are building with gold, silver, and precious stones. The truth, the good seed, that's what we desire to plant. And our whole ministry is centered around that idea. And that is our vision from the word of God. So what seed are we planting? What seed are you planting? So let me summarize what I've tried to say today. This is what I tried to say. First of all, God sends the word. And Jesus was sent forth. He is the Word of God. And as the Word of God, He preaches the Word of God. And He's given us the Word of God. God sends it. And we pay attention to Him. That's what this is about. Pay attention. Look at what you're listening to. Look deeply at it. Pay attention. And that should lead to obedience. Then we obey Him. We prove that we've heard by our action. Prove We've heard by our action. And then finally, we spread the word. We spread the word. You're the one who gets get the opportunity to plant it. Let's pray. Father, in your kindness, help us to hear your word. Help us to be, this verse says, he who has ears to hear, and then the command, hear. And the command is, Shema, O Israel. Lord, help us to hear your word, to listen up and to obey what you're saying to each and every one of us. Lord, we, we know we have many areas. We need, we need to grow desperately. We need to submit to your word more and more. So strengthen us to do that by, by the work of the Holy Spirit. We need your work of resurrection to live a new life. So thank you for your word. Help us to know it. Help us to pay attention to it. Help us to obey it. And then help us to sow it, plant it in other people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.